Your bat looks a lot bigger when it's not surrounded by other bats, wouldn't you say? It stands out. Other bats? Baseball is back. I feel like you should have gone with, like, other base uh, baseballs or grass. Well, because we're talking about your bat here, right? We want you to have a nice, clean bat. Yeah, the bat. The, the bat looks bigger when it's not on surrounded by grass. Okay, would be a better sure. analogy. Okay, yeah. If your bat's in tall grass, yeah. Okay, there we're you getting go. There. Okay. Like you don't want Field of Dreams. We don't want to hide your bat in the thing in the back of the Field of Dreams. Yeah. Trim, trim your Wrigley Field. There you go. There, Bingo. Yeah, there it is. And you get twenty percent off with Manscaped if you use the promo code Dangle. Twenty percent off and free shipping. Now we've already told you about the Lawnmower 4.0. Um, and basically, it is the Mike Trout of trimmers. Uh, your confidence level will be sky high, like a well-hit baseball from Shohei Otani. Yeah. Um, what about here? I got one. Okay, go. Shave okay. the bat, which is also it's um, like the base of your penis. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's 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 what the ad read says. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Use the promo code DANGLE for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Again, it's promo code DANGLE, 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com, and DANGLE is spelled D-A-N-G-L-E. <laughs> that was the worst thing you've ever done. I'd see terrible. Yep. <laughs> uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Big Money Siege, we are, on, we are on the eve of the NHL draft. How are you doing this Wednesday? I'm great. It's uh... You're so full of energy. I don't know where you get it from. Can I you can tell t- that I'm spent? <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I'm look at it. I want you to have all the joy and fun in the world. Oh, I've had a lot of fun but and joy these last few you days. You used CJ. up more energy last night, I would say, than I did. Yes, that's Therefore, true. I've woken up this morning with more energy. That's, so that's true. That's how it goes. Isn't I, it? I saw your, your Instagram post, which I assume probably came during your, your daily run, and I just saw that. I was just like, why are we recording so early? I think this was – was it Adam or Steve that suggested I thought it was, this time? So, I thought it was, anyway. it was actually Jesse's idea. Jesse. Okay. It was Adam's idea. Uh, it doesn't matter. The most important thing is that uh, we get to do another in-person episode, and we get to talk about one of the busiest weeks in the NHL calendar. And, I mean, look, we have a whole bunch of trades that have already happened that we need to talk about. You know, there are, there are players who could be on the move, whether it's during during the draft week, whether it's a couple days after that we need to get to as well. Uh, you, you got to speak to Brad Living. Well, at least there's the media availability yesterday. Uh, ask CJ because this is our one podcast this week. Essentially, we got a lot to get to, but I'm curious though, you know, mm-hmm. just because there is the the work part, but there is the fun part to it. Like you, you you've been. Uh, I mean, you don't have to tell everyone everything, but uh, good week, good party. I haven't seen you at Tootsie's yet. I haven't. Well, I was actually at Tootsie's for two hours yesterday, but we, that's because TSN booked it out, and that's where they we did. booked out Tootsie's. At the, at the rooftop, and that's where we did all our hits. Really? Which was actually, I mean, it was an interesting experience because everything else was still happening on the rooftop. So yeah. there's lots of people out there having a good time, as you should do. Um, lots of selfies and, and the like. Uh, some weird looks, too. I think people were like, what is this thing? What are these on? guys doing? <laughs> and, it, you know, it was hot. But so, yeah, that was the only time I've stepped foot in Tootsie's, and it was not related to, I, you know, that Broadway strip is, is a lot. It's a lot. So... 
and I say that without judgment. Like in there have been times I've been in Nashville where I took full advantage of that strip, including Tootsie's. Um, but a week that's this busy for me work wise, it's just it's not productive for me to to be there. But it's been really fun. I mean, the one thing I'll say about the draft that like if you've never even thought about going and but you're if you're a hockey nut, like what's pretty cool is you can walk anywhere and you know, the downtown part of Nashville is relatively small and you're walking by <laughs> You know, whether it's Joe Sackick or Steve Eiserman or you, you know, maybe, you know, the agents, you know, there was a lot of players in town because the awards were here on Monday. So, you know, a lot of them were out. I mean, if you really want to mix with the hockey community, it's 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 a great chance to do so. And and so it isn't lost on me, even though it's I've done it now for a number of years. It's like this is actually pretty cool that everyone gets together in one spot. So I, I'm having fun. It's just you, you and I have different definitions of fun just because of our life stages. For me, it's just like. Like, obviously, with the athletic, you're, and in, in my situation, I'm the only person from the athletic in my market, aside from, I guess, Eric Duhatchek. So, getting to see, like, Dom, and, and, and I know she's not with us anymore, but like Sarah Sivian and all that, like, getting to see all those people in certain spots, it's been really fun to see. And then other people from other media outlets. Like, I met Elliot Freeman for the first time this week. Nice. Yeah. Was his hair all wild? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I'm with you on that. There's a lot of uh, fun to be had at the draft, but of course, at the draft. But of course, there's a lot of new stories that come out as well. Of course, there's the actual draft itself. That is that but. is the fun. Well, I'll be honest, and I say this with no disrespect to the prospects. There is no draft. Like I don't know. I couldn't. If we go beyond like seven names, and I don't say it with any disrespect. Like yeah. I, I don't pretend to be a draft guru. <laughs> I, I defer to the Corey Promans, the Bob McKenzies, the Craig Buttons, those and many more that 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 follow all the leagues around the world and the development leagues and have an opinion on that. So I'm honestly functionally here for the trades and the rumors and to set up free agency and, you know, all the transactional stuff that kind of is the bread and butter of the insider job. So I, I feel bad because uh, one thing we did yesterday with the athletic, I had to go out on Broadway and shoot this video where we were getting fans to guess if this player's name was either an NHL draft prospect or a country music singer. And now I wonder if, I would have been bad, I think. <laughs> yeah, but I wonder if it would have been good for content or just if that would have diminished your credibility. Well, I, 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 I'm trying to be open about this because, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, because I'm saying like I don't have credibility yeah. in the space. But no one's asking you to do that anyway. No, but it's so funny. Like my phone this morning, you know, lots of people are asking like, I was going to ask about your who's phone. Who's going at three and who's going at four and what's? It's like okay, at least some of that I can suss out with the normal contacts yeah. I have. But I don't have an opinion on who should go at three no. or four. Like, I don't have a personal opinion if you should be taking Leo Carlson ahead of Will Smith. You know, again, that's someone's whole job. It's like, go watch those players play. They get to know their families. They have the whole scouting combine. Yeah. And they got to make a decision that could potentially alter a franchise in a good direction or a bad one. And let's hope in this case, both players become stars and it's almost irrelevant. It's just like, oh, wow, that could have could have went either way. And that would have, you know, but the reality is... Like, it's crazy when you look back at, I think back when Columbus took Pierre-Luc Dubois at three, mm -hmm. and Jesse Pugliarvi at the time seemed to be a consensus, you know, spot. I mean, Dubois, we saw the, the haul the Jets just got for him and, and the contract he signed. Like, clearly he ends up having a much better career than, than Pugliarvi. Circumstances know. may determine that, too. But it was a bold call. I think if you went off the draft board, I bet if we, you know, Bobby Mack's draft board is like the best one. No it, relation. I mean, um, no relation. 
I bet he had Puyo RV3, though. Yeah. Because he does a consensus of what scouts think. Like, he doesn't – again, I guess it's not his opinion. That's that's what he always – his big disclaimer is, like, he talks to – I don't know if it's 10 or 15 scouts and gets all their lists, and then he basically cross-references it and averages the picks, and there you go. Anyway, that's what's crazy. Sorry, yeah. one last thing. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. What's really crazy with the draft is I don't know who should be picking what, and maybe nobody does because there's – you know, you're betting on human beings that are 18 years old, and there's unpredictability in that in general. But, like, someone is going to find, like, the 17th pick tonight might be, like, end up being, like, a franchise changer or something. To be like. Colby Barlow, and he ends up being one of the greatest scorers in NHL history or something. Right. And and you would know from being at the draft, but, like, the second day of the draft is even more anticlimactic. It's fast, too. It's, it's fast, and it's, like, with the energy of, like, a grocery store on a Tuesday afternoon. Like, there's no, like, excitement. It's like, you know, there's, sorry, there's excitement. There's excitement, the, like there's like the family in the corner that woos because their kid got picked in the fifth round. There's no glitz and glam, though. Not like, for everybody. Like, Not I'm the just, same way on day one. You're right. And I'm going off the top of my head, but like, you know, whatever. It's all good when you do that. But whatever, it's like 10 years ago, Braden Point was taken in the third round. 79th, he's the greatest 79th overall pick in NHL history. There was no real fanfare. I'm no. sure for his family, it's a great moment. Don't Absolutely. get me wrong. Like I, I'm really not trying to diminish the experience no, no, no. of the prospects. But like, who knew, like, this guy's going to be a badass on like two teams that win a Stanley Cup. Like, it, and, you know, again, we could go through history. Like, I'm just thinking of him because that's, he comes to mind. So like, franchises will change on these two days. And and we don't know. Like I just think that's so cool. Like the, and it'll just like again tomorrow. I don't know if you go to the second. Day yeah, of the draft, I go, I go but go it, second it literally day. it couldn't be more low energy in there. Like it's just like it's like a like low hum, and everyone's like, "Oh, what time's my flight? I gotta get out yeah. of here." And, I know people who are gonna like leave like the evening after day two. Yeah, I used to do that. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> shout out Steve Pointer himself. Yeah, no, like I, I get it. It's just you know. It's Nashville. I guess you want to take it. I want to take it as much as I can before I have to leave like Friday morning. I made a vow for this trip. What's your vow? I want to have a hangover free trip. Have you? No, I'm so far. I'm perfect. Like, like I'm okay. I haven't even been, I haven't even like touched the outskirts of a hangover yet. That's pretty good. But I'm just sorry. I'm setting up the bit here is that Thursday night is the true test of my will. Because that's when you could let everything go. Well, because I, you know, my work will probably be functionally done early three four o'clock i don't fly till noon on friday there's just a vast amount of time in there for me to make a bad decision so we'll, we'll, we'll update that on the next pod and I'll, I'll be honest about whatever happens next i should i should say before we actually talk about hockey for the record i am not actually hung over i just my voice is just shot and like i wasn't accusing you but i'm not saying it's just that i'm sure there are people who are going to look at it and be like oh damn like he, i'll say this farted. i'm Any, not hung over anyone out there that listens to us though they they have had a hangover in their life, and I bet they've woke up and go, "I'm not hungover." I'm not, hung- but, but they like but, try to talk themselves. Yeah, they talk like, themselves no. out of it. No, like I've I've had them before, and like I trust me, if I did, I'd, I'd feel a lot less energetic than I do right now. Well, I'll tell you this: there are a lot of people in the NHL community that are hungover this morning. Oh, I bet. And I and I'm saying that that's the span. That's people who work for teams. It's agents. Oh yeah. It's obviously a lot of those on the media a side. A lot of, of those things. people went to Tootsie's. Yeah. Well, I mean, they all or the stage. Yeah, well, I see. We got Instagram. Like, I find it so hilarious to wake up early in the morning, which I did for my run, and yes. then look at Instagram. It's just like every single person is in one of two bars. Yes, it's like the same nonsense. I'm like, this was posted three hours ago, dude. Anyway, okay. Sorry, I'm all over the place. No, but- that's the point of the show. Stop apologizing when you feel you're all over the place. It's actually really entertaining when it is. 
I just have a question though, because I know for this for this episode, you are going to be looking at your phone a lot. You're going to be texting some. Is that agent. okay? That is more than fine. Uh, like I said, like I've said on this podcast before, it's because you're working and you never know if some trade like breaks while you're on your phone, and then we get to talk about it on the podcast. But the question I have is. What's one kind of rumor or story that's kind of bubbling under the surface that would have you like, oh, my God, like buried in your phone that we should all be looking out for on this Wednesday? Well, I think the situations in Calgary and Winnipeg, and and I know we'll go deeper on them, Mm -hmm. are obvious. Like it's to to come out here and say, well, the the Jets and the Flames might make another big trade before the end of the weekend like that. That is sort of self-evident. Yes. You know, I'm I'm personally dialed in on the Eric Carlson thing. Like this guy just picked up his third Norris Trophy. He just had a hundred point season, and we're at the point where everybody involved is openly discussing the fact that they want him to move. Like that, just take a breath for a second. And go like that doesn't happen every day in the NHL, right? Mm. And you know, the fact that the Maple Leafs are one of the teams that are there, and and the ramifications of that. Um, obviously, with them having the discussions around William Nylander, or Austin Matthews, like you start to like, what does this all mean? How does it work? And, and I'm certainly not reporting here that he's going to be a leaf. But the fact that Leafs are in the mix of what it sounds like a really quite a small mix of teams that are engaged right now with the Sharks and trying to get it done is. Do we know who else is in the mix? Sounds like Carolina is there and uh, Seattle. Okay, are two other teams that I think are are. Around, I I kind of wonder if Edmonton circles back at some point. I, I don't believe they have at this stage, but I mean, we know how much they liked him during the season. You know, the problem is with this trade, right? Like you start to you, you line up the teams, and you're like, yeah. where would they fit? But then you're like, how did they cross that bridge? Yeah, like, I've I've been there. Like if the last few days I've been looking at Toffoli and Hannafin and wondering, okay, like this could work here, but what do they need to give up? I'm totally with you there. Well, it's what they give up, and then obviously the cap consideration and. That's and it sounds like San Jose is willing to make Carlson like about an $8 million a year player, uh, which is, I think, farther than they were willing to go in the regular season mm-hmm. when they had some trade discussions. Now, the teams are, you know, th- this is the art of the negotiation. The team's are like, wow, I'd really like him as a $7 million player or seven and a half. <laughs> and so, you know, but if you have that much retention, it's still four more seasons. I mean, it, I'm just fat. Like, this to me, it has to happen, right? Like, at the end of the day, like, we don't need Eric Carlson having another great season on a team that's clearly rebuilding and not trying to win. And and, and I, I actually don't fault the Sharks. The Sharks were – remember how they got here. They were an absolutely top-class organization for a good 15 years where any of those given years, you're like, hey, maybe if things fall their way, they could win a cup. And I know they got the one final and lost in the Western Conference final a bunch. But, like, they, they were they were a portrait of excellence. And then you run out of steam. And then, and then you're where Chicago is now. And you're about to add Connor Bedard, and wow, doesn't that look a little different and better? Um, and you know, San Jose's got to take their turn. But I mean, the quote that really—I don't know if you saw it—the the media veil before the awards show, and, and Eric Carlson's like, "I got to go to Mark Stone's cup party." Like they're buddies <laughs> from the time in Ottawa. He's like, he's like, "I can't fucking touch it." Like, like you know, I love that. I, I've always loved Eric. Do you want to know a good Eric Carlson story? Tell me. So Sochi Olympics, yes. Russia, right? Yes. That's a long time ago now, really. Nine years, crazy. So Eric was a young sort of star, but he was he was definitely going into that tournament like Sweden's kind of his their their golden boy or whatever. And so at the Olympics, they do a big mix zone area. So mm-hmm. like all the reporters are literally huddled behind a wall. Like you're 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 cattled in quite literally. Like it's not like you go in and have a a normal human interaction with an athlete, right. which is fine. 
but so Eric Carlson is the very first game of the Olympics. I wish I could remember who they Sweden played the first game. And I think Carlson had like two goals. Mm-hmm. He was like the star of the first game of the, the men's tournament, best on best. And uh, they, they set up a microphone in the mix zone because that's what the only way people could, there was not enough space for him to record. Of course. And so he like, he looked at the microphone, like he's stepping up, like, all, like literally a hundred reporters. Like I'm just in there, like young CJ. And he looks at the microphone quizzically and then, Someone goes karaoke, like 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 they made a joke, like oh you gonna sing some karaoke, and he goes, "Fuck no," <laughs> <laughs> which it's hard to explain. What? It's just so funny. It's like he leaned into what, the mic to make sure he, everybody heard him. It was, was he so aggressive? It, he was being funny. It's, it's, he it's, is being funny. It's a hard story to retell with the right context, but it funny. was so unexpected and hilarious. That's good. And like I've always found that like I found that guy to be so honest throughout his career. I dealt with him a lot when he was in Ottawa because you know living in Toronto, right? And he always tells it like it is. We've even had a few, like there was once he gave me some real attitude, like shade, really. Like he, he like walked out of an interview with me once. Really? And it wasn't even like controversial. It wasn't like I was like, tell me your deepest, darkest secret. But like, that's my point. It's like, he, he's real. Like he's a genuine guy. And so like, when I saw that quote on Monday and he's like, I got to go to my buddy's cup party. I can't like, he's dying to win a Stanley cup, right? Like he doesn't need another, he doesn't care if he wins another Norris trophy. I guarantee you. He's not. He doesn't like a third one. Puts him in special place in history. Absolutely. Like he probably was first ballot Hall of Famer anyway. But like you, you start adding those up and you look at the names, it's like okay, it's you know Lidstrom or Harvey. Whoa, like Carlson. And so, but so anyway, I I just he's been such a unique talent, a special talent, and I hope he plays for a contender because I think it's. We need personality like that. I hope uh, when he eventually gets to that contending team and he, you know, celebrates the Stanley Cup, uh, and all the all of his teammates start singing in the locker room, we just start. You just see him like just stoic, just be like, "I don't sing." Like, "Fuck you, I'm not doing karaoke." <laughs> Do you know what? My first draft was 2008 in Ottawa, and that's when he was drafted. Yes, and they actually had Alfredson make the pick. Which is kind of cool. Like, I love when That's teams awesome. do that, too. Like, we're going to see it tonight. I'm sure yeah. someone's got their their star player. Like, I just love the sort of – the fact you have, like, this Swedish star and he's passing it to the next passing guy. Passing like, to the next generation. I don't know. Yeah. love the symbolism, man. Like, sports is about more than just who wins on the ice, right? And, and um, so, yeah, I, I am all over the place again. But I'm just Dude. saying, Carlson, like, I'm very curious to see if they can get that done. It doesn't have to happen at the draft, but it gets harder, right? Because we're already talking about how teams don't have cap space. Well, mm-hmm. as of Saturday, teams are now signing you know unrestricted free agents. Like the number of teams that have any cap space just starts to shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink. And we saw one big trade last year in the middle of the summer with with Calgary and Matthew Kachuk, but that was very specific circumstances that I'm not sure will be repeated. So anyone looking to make deals, whether you're Craig Conroy, Kevin Chevaldeoff, you know Mike Greer with, with the Sharks, like you got him. I think you have to try to make them in this window. And we saw, I don't know, a bunch of trades yesterday. I don't, I don't even know what the number is, but it felt like a lot. I mean, over the last few days, we've seen, uh, well, including yesterday, Pierre-Luc Dubois to Los Angeles, Kevin Hayes to St. Louis, Tyler Toffoli to New Jersey, uh, Alex Newhook to Montreal, Taylor Hall to Chicago. Like four of those, uh, three or four of those deals. Did you say Ryan Johansson to Colorado too? Oh, yeah, over the weekend as well. I'm just like... Yep. You're seeing like, I, I know I know some of those guys are in the back nine of the career and all yeah. that, but like pretty big names... I think, you know, something like the Kevin Hayes deal to St. Louis probably, I don't know what kind of league-wide headline that gets. Like, that guy, at he's half retained now. Yeah. So is he, what, a $3.5 million player or even less? Like, that's, he had, what, is 60 or 70 points on a bad team. 
I'm just saying, like, that's it, it's a low key. Like, we could be watching St. Louis rise up again next year and go, like, wow. And they got Kevin Hayes for a six round pick at three and a half million. Do you think because of the fact that, like, Kevin Hayes, the deal going the way that that deal, remember, that was like hyped up to be this like massive deal with all these different pieces, and it just kind of ends up folding into a small, a much smaller deal. But that trade, the Toffoli trade, also comes to mind. Do you think the fact, I guess, some of those return, Johansson as well. I wonder what that does for the rest of the market. It seems like, you know, some of these pieces that maybe if you're a GM, you're thinking, all right, I want like a bigger return. You're getting them for at least closer to pennies on the dollar, it seems like. Are we going to see more of that? I would think so because of just how valuable the cap space is. And, and But you know what? I have to say, I think Kevin Cheveldayoff did really well on the Dubois deal. I think Kevin, I, yeah, I agree. Because, because of what you're saying, like the marketplace right now seems to be favoring teams that can take on some salary. The, the kind of buyers, we'll call them, although... Not sure if Chicago's really buying Taylor Hall as much as bought, you know, they're helping Boston out of a problem. And, you know, he's, I think he's a good asset for them in the next two seasons that Absolutely. he's signed for. Yeah. But, um, you know, it does seem to be more of a buyer's market. And Kevin Cheveldayoff, like, he's had to make some tough trades in his day. And I think he, he's sort of under the radar, has leveraged those situations in a way that you wouldn't think. Like, like Dubois basically gave him two teams when it comes down to it. And we've known Montreal forever. Montreal's sitting over there going, well, you know, first of all, they don't really have the pieces to help Winnipeg now that they that they would want to give up. Exactly. Or be willing to give up. And and I think Montreal's like, well, if you really want to play here, Pierre-Luc, I mean, just wait this thing out and we'll see you next summer. Um, so really, he's dealing with one team, essentially, that that, that like reasonably can make any – I think he made a good trade. And, and I'm not sort of hating it on it from the king's end, but I just think under really difficult circumstances, he thread the needle there. Now, I will say this. The Connor Hellebuck deal that he's going to have to make, potentially the Mark Shifley deal that will follow it, those will not be as easy. I, I don't think, I don't think you're talking about getting three decent young players and a second round pick back in those trades. Um, but you know, I'm just saying, full credit to Kevin Cheveldayoff. I think in a difficult marketplace, difficult circumstances, you know, that trade is going to allow the Jets to kind of keep moving forward. Um, I mean, the fact they got Ayafalo, Velarde. Rasmus Kapari and a second round pick, like they got some assets that can help their team essentially, some good players, especially in the case of I follow and Velarde. Like that's that's really good business on the part of the Jets. It is. The problem with Hellebuck and, and Shifleet is not really a problem, but they're older, right? Yeah. You're not trading a twenty four year old or recently turned twenty five year old player who's signing an eight year extension. You're yeah. you're talking about a twenty nine, thirty year old and does he do they want eight year extensions or is it seven or six? Like where's the money land? I just think that those are going to be tougher deals to make. But, I mean, good start. He's probably feeling pretty good. I could imagine. But I bet he was not at Tootsie's last night with him because <laughs> he's still got a lot of work to do. Well, let's get to sports interaction really quickly here, and then we can continue more uh, rumblings and trade talk because I, I still have a few more questions, and then we can get to some other stuff before we get to the end of this special edition of the CJ Show. You can bet that with David Bastel. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. Get in the action and make a play. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. It's time for You Can Bet That. Uh, be sure to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all you need to know about uh, all the odds. Good things to bet on, including who could be taken fifth overall in uh, today's NHL entry draft. Uh, the betting favorite is Ryan Leonard. Uh, to go to the Montreal Canadiens uh, right now on the website at plus 170. David Reinbacker, the second best odds at plus 210. Matthew Mitchkov, 
plus 225 of the third best odds to go fifth what do, they, what do they know about Mitchkov that we don't? I don't know. I mean, we know the Canadians met with him. Yes. In Nashville. Why would he be third? Well, I guess because no one knows where he's going, right? I mean, if you want to have any fun with the top end of this draft, you're, you're like, does he go even ahead of Montreal? I mean, because that could be part of it too, right? Maybe there's, maybe someone's got a surprise for us. I'm watching that number three pick that Columbus has. Yeah, I, I was under the impression that Leo Carlson at three would be a lock, and now I'm not so sure for some reason. Well, because there's lots of speculation. There's there's now speculation that Fantilli might not go second to the Ducks. So. Which I think would be insane. Well, I mean, again, this is someone's job. Like someone I know. has just spent 12 months like focusing on this, and that's so. I mean, we already went through all the madness from last year, where it looked as if Shane Wright would be the pick, and then Uri Slavkovsky goes one, and then Shane falls to four, and then all these trades happen. Could you imagine another year where we get a first round that's just full of unpredictableness? I well. Yeah, I can. That would be I, awesome. Because that. So, <laughs> my point is, I don't know. I I think I just have a sneaky suspicion that the Canadians don't want to let Mitchkov go by. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I've decided because I think up until about a couple of days ago, I was very undecided on what I do in that situation. I don't know how you don't pick Matt Mitchkov. I understand he's signed through a couple of years. If you're a team like the Montreal Canadiens, you don't need him right away. And if you're able to get him in those couple of years. You could benefit from having a player like Matt Faye in your system. Counterpoint: This season stunk in Montreal. It did. So if you if you're not coming away from a season like that with something that propels you forward, like it, you probably don't want to take a lot of risk. I think that's what's your risk tolerance after that kind of season. Essentially, is where it goes. I right? think it also depends on how much you actually want to move forward because Chicago also stunk last year. They're not in a potential. They're not in the. Are you trying to say they're not going to take Bedard? Or <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to make the point that like they don't expect to compete like right away. I'm thinking for Montreal, I can understand that you know you've gone through a couple years of the rebuilding and you you are trying to get a lot closer to being a playoff team than not. Chicago is not going to be that team. I mean, then again, we'll see what happens when they have Bedard. Maybe it's a Crosby esque thing where they become a playoff team in a few years. But so you're saying Leonard to Montreal then. No. <laughs> Don't forget to check out sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn for all the best odds before game, in-game, and the best props. Again, sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. There's one thing I want to get to before we get to some of the GA. Well, specifically the Brad Living availability, because I know for sure you're – I know you probably bounced around on a few, but there's some interesting things said with Brad. Can you tell him I'm all over the place this morning? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Well, I So I nearly – I like sweat through my suit, not the one I'm wearing right now. I was about to say, did- because I because it's it looks similar but it's different. But, okay, yeah, because because I saw you wear a similar suit yesterday. During but the, this is different. The PHWA meeting. Yes, trust me. I would tell you if I was wearing the same clothes again. Yo, thank but, you. And you would probably know sitting this close to me because because yes. <laughs> basically what happens on on the Tuesday of draft week, like all the individual GMs speak at the hotels they're staying at. Yes. And those are those hotels are all over the place. So yes. a lot of yesterday was walking from one to another to go to those availabilities, and it. It's it's hot out here, my friend. weren't you wearing? A, I'm trying to remember. You weren't you wearing a black shirt underneath that too? Yeah. Like that's not good for the you for, for the rays, my man. Like you got to wear lighter clothes. It's navy. No wonder you were burning. Navy with the white buttons. I actually. It's a good look. It's I just, styled that one myself. It's a, it's a good look. It's just for the heat that's coming out in Nashville. Like it's and you got to walk around. It's a. But do you know what? It's low key good because it's the darkness. You can't see the sweat as much. 
That's true. Like it, it's like a little bit more subtle. Anyway, That's true. come on, ask a question. <laughs> You're giving me fashion advice, but I actually feel like I have to burn that suit after yesterday. Like I'm, I'm debating. <laughs> no. Like, can I travel home with that thing? No, don't burn it. At the end of the day, I had twenty three thousand steps on my watch. You had twenty three thousand, and steps? it was in like I wasn't pacing around indoors. It was all outside, like. You know, in Nashville, like, there's just a party raging me, at every me, turn. Like, like even it was like the middle of the day yesterday. I look at IG and like dangles on a beer bike thing, and yeah, they're getting, just like he's screaming. Get, he's and getting singing. his chest smacked by a wrestler. Well, that was at night, but like during, that was wild. Like the middle of the afternoon, like Adam's on a bull or something. Like this is yeah. And I'm walking around in a suit. Like I look like the weirdest weirdo that ever weirded. Yeah. Do, did you have to go on on Broadway and, oh, yeah. and ask people, uh, "Hey, name me this player if he's either an HL player or." A country music singer? No, I had that, to do that. But I feel like people would be good with that because you probably they were fun. Yeah, like they were people fun. Would have fun with it. Did you see? You must have saw when the Titans released their schedule. Yes, and they went on Broadway and asked. Like that was one of that, that was, was one, one of the, the great, coolest things. Like team social media things I've ever seen. So yeah. I'll say I'm with jealous. I'll I, say with the video thing, a very uh, important NHL person. Uh, came up to us and politely declined to be in one of the videos that we were trying to make. Well, did he or she come up to you, or did you go up to them? So they were walking in our direction, and I wasn't sure if I mean I didn't I did I don't know how I would have been able to go about like talking to this person, but our eyes met, and this oh. person extended their hand, be like, "Good to see you." And oh. I was like, "Oh wow, this person like you don't just do that." Unless you sort of know who this person is. And I was wearing sunglasses. So I was very surprised to know that this person knows who I am. Well, that's good. That's good. It just goes to show the power of the pod. There you go. He might be 100%er. He or might, she. That person might they. actually be a 100%er. And if that person's a 100%er, this yeah. podcast doing big numbers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I actually met a couple hundred percenters, like fans that are down here for the draft. Yeah, I've been stopped a couple times on the streets. Man, so I shout few... out if I met you in the last few days on the street. I have a question about one GM that didn't do one of those media availabilities um, at the hotel, and while they did do a little one after uh, the trade they made, the very first trade they made, Craig Conroy of the Calgary Flames. Oh, it wasn't in person. No, I uh, well, at least for me, I I spoke with him over the phone. Actually. I guess I could tell this story. It's kind of a funny story. So that trade was happening, and I was at a social gathering with a couple other reporters, and I was trying to Uber back to my hotel, and my phone was dying. So I was like, you know, I'm going to go back, and I'm just going to charge it up and maybe file a story. As I'm in the Uber, my phone's at like 8%. The flames are like, hey, uh, we, we have Craig Conroy available. Are you? Do you want to talk? To him. I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, I'll do it. But like, my phone is like dying. So he gave you a one on ones. He gave, well, he gave me a one on one. I don't know if he gave everyone a one on one, but he gave me one. It's but interesting like my, that they just didn't do like a yeah a press conference. I, I thought style that was thing. interesting too. But yeah, like I only had three minutes to talk to him because my phone was literally dying. I literally had to be like, hey, um, this is my last question because my phone is about to die. <laughs> Did you have anything to record it with you? Yeah, I just because my phone has like a, a built-in recorder, so I just recorded oh. it. Yeah, you fancy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take that offline. That, that'd be really handy, actually. Dude, I was very, I was, I was very fortunate in that moment. But uh, I did, I made something out of a very dire situation. Honestly, brevity sometimes is. I got what I needed. I'll say this: I am down on quotes in general. You're down on quotes. I think it's really important to talk to people and understand what they think. But I don't know. I find sometimes like this is just like my own evolution 
I just find it less interesting to put quotes in to a story. Anyway, so, in a one-on-one conversation, that's different too. Absolutely. But like the, the normal day-to-day of our jobs where everyone's getting the same quotes, like I just feel like obviously you want to interpret those things and get background info and shape a story a certain way. But, but ultimately, what I want to ask with Craig is just when you talk about maximizing this week in terms of what you can get in terms of picks and potentially prospects and also taking advantage of cap space uh, considering what people will do through free agency – and considering the task for, for Craig, where it seems like he has all these different players who want out for different reasons, should he not be using this week to maximize? Like, I understand maybe he might want to wait on a guy or two, but I don't think you could choose, he should do that. Well, you don't do that if, if, if your outcome, and I actually don't know the answer to this from him. Right. But if your outcome is that you absolutely have to trade all these guys this summer, then I feel like you can't let this week go by. But if you're willing to be like, you know what, maybe we'll start next season with Noah Hannafin on an expiring deal, see what materializes as the season goes along. Like if you're willing to do that, then then maybe you don't have the same urgency to get all the business done at but once. But what do you do when you've gone out and you've said that you don't necessarily want that? Well, I mean, the truth today ain't the truth tomorrow, Julian. I mean, I get it. But at the same time, I, I, liked, I like to be one of those people who go back on stuff that people say and be like, but you said this. Why are you in that situation? Well, that's fair, but I think he would have an answer. His answer, I like, we're now just like down the hypothetical hole. Absolutely. But his answer to that question is because I surveyed the market and there were crap deals out there, and I I believe this is a great player, and he's going to be worth more either at the trade deadline next year or maybe we think, I think that's how you get around that it. That actually would be more or less an acceptable answer. Yes. Because the truth is, like, I get, I get that he has a stance, or like, we all do this. You have an idea of how you want to do business, then you go to try to do that business. If it's not there, if you make a bunch of bad deals, well, how does that? That doesn't reflect. How are the flames any better if, no. if if he doesn't get decent returns on these trades? You know, I think he's got to figure out what he's doing to Elias Lindholm. Like, yes. as much as we can talk about Hannafin and Backlund and other players that that don't have necessarily a certain future in Calgary, like the question has to be, should we even sign Lindholm now? Because we saw, I mean, look, at I'm not in the middle of that negotiation. I know that the sides have been going back and forth, uh, a lot of discussion. My sense right now is that the ball's in Calgary's court, and they have to say, like, okay, so if this player wants out, this player wants out, Lindholm's willing to stay, but should we be signing someone at his age to the kind of deal we have to sign him to? Because he ain't signing for less than Pierre-Luc Dubois. Did oh, no, 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 no. And this is a guy who is the team's number one center, was a Selkie finalist. He could be asking for nine, nine, two, five, and up. Well, he could be. Look, th- that's, I would. Dubois coming off of a 63-point season, I think. He, is he 8.5? Like, yeah. Come on. And look, at, I'm not even criticizing that contract. I'm just saying that's what the market says right now. Absolutely. Now the counter is, okay, Lindholm's a few years older, blah, 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 blah. I think we can reasonably expect that that he's after a contract that starts with a nine. And so, you know, and probably an eight-year deal. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's that's if you're residing in Calgary and you're at his age, you're taking the maximum term because that term is valuable. So now the Flames have to doubt. Like, it's, this is a tough spot, man. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Because no like, one's denying the player's talent. No. Or anything like that. But it's like, is this going to be maybe a little bit of a rebuild? I, I think it. I think at this point, it's it's an aggressive retool because you, unless someone is coming out of nowhere being like, "Yes, I will gladly take your Nazem Kadri contract. I will gladly, if he waves his NMC, take uh, Jacob Markstrom or or Jonathan Huberto." You're not getting that. So at this point, with the assets that you have, 
try to get more and try to retool on the fly, essentially. That's well, what it's going to look like. And you got to stop the cascade, right? There's a cascade here. Like, you would, you would know. Tyler Toffoli seemed like a player who was happy in Calgary. It really seemed like he was. I and was all very the, surprised when his all name was All of a sudden, he is the one requesting a trade. He's saying he wants it done yeah, like he, now. He, had, he did say that he had wanted it done quickly, and it looks as if that the Flames just didn't give him something. They didn't they didn't really talk in terms of extension. It just But he wants to win a Stanley Cup. And, be, and, of course he does. But he's looking around. He's going, oh, wait, this guy wants to leave. This guy wants to leave. Maybe I should be leaving. Yeah, but I also I, – I think – I mean, he does have a cup, but I, of course you want more. But at least what's what's starting to get out there, it seems more like to me he was probably thinking, okay, well, what about me? I, I had this season. I started the year last year being told you're going to be on the first line, and people doubted me. I proved myself. Where's my deal at? And nothing's materialized. So, like, okay, get me out of here. All these guys want to leave anyway. Well, but what's interesting is now he lands in New Jersey. Good team. Like Good I, team. I, I like what the – man, I've been in on the Devils. I'll say this. Oh, yeah. I'm going to – because I, I take lots of losses on this pod. But I was <laughs> I was an early adopter on the Devils, like that they were headed in a better direction than people thought. If you, you go back – taking a lot of L's on this pod? Yeah. <laughs> go through my playoff picks. Like, I don't know what my record was, but – Oh, your playoff You would have done well to fade me, put it that way. <laughs> um, so, but I like what the Devils are doing. But here's the thing. The Devils aren't going to give to fully an extension right now. No. Their plan is to see how the season goes, let him get comfortable. Maybe he wants to sign there. So he's not going to get that security now, but he does get to go to a team that's trending in a good direction. Uh, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I, got, I got like I get like twitchy yeah. with the text right now. Oh, I mean, yeah. We're in we're in a like the prime zone of like any text could literally be something like, like Whoa! Something change. I mean I don't need to check my phone nearly as much as you would, but like, I'll take a little breath. Yeah, to take a take a moment. So yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll talk while you take a moment. <laughs> I, I think that I think that the I, I don't know where the Flames are going to land on this one because you do have it's a Linoma is I'm telling you willing to stay like he's not like trade me, um, but they're going to have to pay him and I think they have to decide if that's the best course of action. I think that's where it's at. I think really. Where it sits today, there's been lots of dialogue, but the Flames have to decide, okay, are we actually going to sign him or what's behind door number two? I'm also curious. I know he's not on the same level uh, as Elias Lindholm, but if you're saying goodbye to all those pieces, Michael Backlund's future, I have questions about that. Like I, I, I feel like a guy who's going to be turning 35 next season, coming off his best year, uh, just won the King Clancy Award this week, means so much to the community of Calgary. I, that's gonna be if he gets moved, if they move on from him. Like I think for Flames fans, that's gonna be the most like the one that hurts the most because yeah. that's a guy like they they've seen him play over nine hundred plus games. They wanted him to be captain, and he he said this week like you know this future is up in the air. We don't, it's not in his hands. Like that one, I I can understand. Like I get with some fans are gonna be like, oh man, like Lindholm, if he wants all this money, like let him go. But I wonder how fans are gonna react if if the Flames go down that road with Backlund. I mean, it might be time. You know, that's yeah. that's the thing. Like, that core of players, which started to really break apart last summer in a very yeah. meaningful way, but they had a lot of kicks at the can. I mean, a lot in the relative nature of sports. If you get five or six with a group of players, I mean, that's kind of where things are at in Toronto, right? It's like, now you're like, is there a bigger change? Like, you can't just do it forever. Yeah. And there's also opportunity in this. I, I Like, there's opportunity in chaos, man. I mean, this is this is chaos. Like, I can't really fathom what the atmosphere must be like in the front office for Calgary just because 
you know, this is kind of a lot, and and they, I'm sure they had a sense it might get here, but again, it's like it's like a cascade of dominoes here that that has been falling. So, yeah, you know, the, the Toffoli trade. I know we didn't even really get into it. I, I think they did reasonably well under the circumstances. Um, you know, it's just it's a tough market to be selling players in unless unless you're moving kind of the blue chippers. And I think Lindholm's at a blue chip point. Absolutely. So that's the other aspect of this. And, and actually, with Toffoli, with that trade, I, I guess like I was looking at like the past framework of what led him to Calgary. You're thinking, okay, maybe you could try to get something similar, and maybe some other people saw that and then they felt underwhelmed, but. He is over 30. He is coming off his best year. He and he's got one a, year on his deal. Yeah. And he wasn't going to – I mean, yeah. I, I, the more I think about it, the more I think the Flames did as good as they could get. They get a 25-year-old player who still has his best years ahead of him. They get their own third-round pick back. I don't know if you looked at the – Oh, uh, I like, saw it. The path of where – like it was like Calgary. It was in the Cali Yarncroft deal. To Seattle. Goes to Seattle. Then goes to – I think Columbus for uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand in that deal. Then that gets moved in the Damon Severson deal, which goes to New Jersey, and then New Jersey then flips it back to Calgary in the in the Yegor Sharangovich trade, which now gives them the ability to do offer sheets. Yes, because if you do an offer sheet, you have to pay with your own picks. So yes. teams that don't own their own picks are ineligible from extending offer sheets to restricted free agents. Just saying. I something think. to think about. Something very much to think about, absolutely. Especially if they're in a spot where they're trading off some players and if they find themselves with a lot of cap space. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that that was the reason for, that they went no. and got that pick back, but it's it's a nice byproduct of re- reclaiming it. Imagine. I just hope that pick, you know, got frequent flyer miles. <laughs> Man, I can't wait to tell the story of that third-round pick, especially if they become some kind of Flames legend, like a pick that just went all over the place. Um, the only other thing, I guess, with the Flames is just – We'll see how it goes from here. Uh, we can also move on to uh, another guy who is still part of the Flames organization, at least uh, until June 30th. But uh, it's my understanding that uh, uh, this person – I think you tweeted it, that like this uh, Brad Treliving can officially join the Leafs like draft floor like after the Flames pick at 16. Yeah, that was the compromise they reached. That's pretty funny. And they only reached a compromise on Tuesday. That's funny. So – the Leafs flew. The Leafs brass flew to Nashville, and at that point, the what was in place was that Bradtree Living wouldn't be at the draft table or on the draft floor at all. And Brendan Shanahan was working behind the scenes with the league and the Flames, and ultimately, the compromise they came up with is once Calgary's pick has been registered, yeah, Tree Living's free to join. <laughs> like, I, I wonder if there'll be like a walk-in on the broadcast. Like, if they're gonna, <laughs> if they're gonna, they have about fifteen like a solo cam on Brad Living. Do you think he gets like his walk-up music, like he's a baseball player or something? I wonder what his walk-up song would be. I have no idea. I I didn't get to know him well enough to get that down. Maybe like a Bruce Springsteen song or something that seems like popular among. Honestly, the hockey could, could, like 90% of the hockey world, if you just want to throw something up out there, just say Bruce Springsteen and you have a good chance at it. I actually, years ago, I went to the, the Bruce Springsteen show on Broadway, and which was really cool, I got to say. Yeah. And, and, but I bumped into someone who works for the NHL there. So it just, it just kind of underlines what you're saying. Exactly. Seriously. Um, and we know the agent provocateur, Alan Walsh. Provocateur, Alan provocateur. Walsh. Big Bruce Springsteen big fan. Big Bruce Springsteen Big, fan. big Bruce Springsteen fan. Uh, shout out Alan Walsh. Um, what did you think of uh, Brad's uh, media veil in terms of some of the stuff he was discussing? Very comfortable. Um, I I didn't come away with like a ton of information really from it. 
Uh, not because I just think there's only so much you can say. Like a lot, there's a lot of different balls in the air, right? Absolutely. And you know, we knew that Sheldon Keefe was already coming back, but that gets formalized. Yeah. Sounds like they'll maybe like I guess one if I'm like really looking at his, you know, picking apart his quotes closely, he he didn't fully commit to that they're going to have an extension in place. Like he he sort of said we'll get to that if we think it's important or something. Like he. I don't know. He left it open that maybe he's coming back as a lame duck, so that's something to follow up on. You know, he was asked about the core four. Mm-hmm. Have any insurances been made to them? And he said, there's no insurances in this business. Um, so that that was the first time he left open at least the possibility he might have to move someone. And let's face it, the someone we're talking about in this instance, I think, is William Nylander. Like, as much as there's a lot of focus in Toronto on the Matthews extension and the Nylander extent, like the Nylander one is the linchpin, I yep. think, of the whole thing. Like, I, I believe the Matthews camp and the Leafs are at a point where everyone understands he's signing in Toronto. I think that they know it's going to be most likely a three, a four, or five year deal. I don't know that the official terms, like the dollar values on those years, have been assigned, like in a negotiated setting, but I think that the understand, I mean, look at, we all can do some basic math. Right, the, the highest paid player in the league makes twelve point six million annually on his contract. So I'm going to say that Austin Matthews' next deal. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's going to be a higher AAV. But it's important for Matthews to not go too high, because well, obviously we're talking about a lot of money here. Potentially, well, it's a lot either way. It's a lot. But, like if he gets twelve point seven or thirteen, it's I mean that's still a lot of money either way. Yeah. But I think it's really important for Austin to find the right number. But he wants to make sure the team can be competitive. That's why I think if it ends up being a short-term deal, like some people are going to have the natural reaction like, oh, you know, he's whatever, whatever. I actually think the short-term deal benefits both he and the team in a lot of ways because that keeps his cap hit lower across the way and gives the Leafs a better chance to win this season and the next season and the next season. And, you know, let's let's call it as is. Like, I hate even saying this. Oh, boy. How old is Austin? 26? I don't want to guess it. Let me just like confirm for myself. I don't. Ha- I don't. Yeah, know. he's I- born in September '97, so he's he's twenty five. Yeah, but turning twenty six before the next game is yes, played. Yes, correct. And so, if he signed a three year extension, this is hypothetical. Yes, he signed through thirty, and if he signs a four year extension, thirty one, and a five year deal, thirty two. Like the Leafs, that that actually gives the Leafs some security because. Players don't all. I, like, I have no reason to think it's really for him. It's just is he going to stay healthy enough to be great? I don't. I don't think you're going to see a rapid deterioration in his skill set because we there's enough stars in the league now. Like the guys that are like Sidney Crosby is still a beast, right? Yeah. Um, but no, there's not every player. Not every player can do that. Right, but the absolute best guys often remain the best. Like they they never really get bad. They get less awesome, but they're still so useful and and. Anyway, I, I just think, though, it just gives the Leafs some security. Everyone sees where the cap goes, blah, 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 blah. So the Matthews deal, I don't, actually don't think is that complicated. Now, the implications are important. The actual money won't count. But I don't think it's really that hard. And I really do believe there's a good working relationship there. Nylander is a wild card, though. Big wild card. Like, what is, we know how bad it went last time. Yeah, with the uh, He literally came within like an hour of not playing in the NHL that season. Yes. Like it, it not even an hour, I think it was like 15 minutes that they were registering that contract. It was chaos. Like the both sides stared down the barrel and like almost pulled the trigger. Like Jeez. almost And so and he said afterwards, this is this is important to me. After that season he only gets half a season, he comes back. 
And I remember it was my question. Like, that's why it's in my mind. I was like asking him. He said he regret he regretted that. That like it would did not put him in a position of success that season. He it's by far his worst season as an NHL player. Mm-hmm. But do you know what? He's made good on his part of the deal since then. He's 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 been good value for the Leafs. So the question for him is what what number gets it done? Again, Dubois is a good. I know Nylander plays the wing. Dubois is a center. There's maybe some intangible benefits there. He's, he had 80 points this year. You have 40 goals. Like he's hitting marks, and and he can be a UFA next summer. So like I would think that his, in his mind, it's got to be above eight and a half on an eight-year deal. But what's important here is the timing. And if if he's not willing to commit on something that that works for the Leafs in the next few days, I think they ha- they have no choice. I mean, they're already talking to teams about him, like. But I think they have no choice but to trade him. Like I don't yeah. think that they. I mean, Brad Tree Living's been through this too, right? I mean, it's so funny how the the Calgary and Toronto stuff is so linked. So linked to each other. And people often forget, like Johnny Goodrow, they had a difficult first negotiation with him too. On the second on the second contract he signed, I think it went into training camp, if I remember correctly. Anyway, I know it was difficult. His agent was Lewis Gross. Mm-hmm. Then he and Lewis and Johnny go down to the wire, and Johnny ends up signing in Columbus last summer. So there's just a lot of history here. Nylander is history at the Leafs. We, we, you know, it's not to make it, but look at the agent is working on behalf of the player. The GM is yeah. working on behalf of the team. Like I'm not saying there's personal beef there, but I'm just saying they've all been they've all been in the heat together before, and it hasn't always gone well. And so like I am, I think these next four days are critical for William Nylander's future in Toronto. Like I'll go that far. Like I'm not saying. It has to be July 1, because the, the Leafs, I should, I should underline this too, the Leafs want to resign him and he wants to stay. Yeah. The question is, can they find the number that can makes that work? Middle? Like, I don't think, again, there's, there's and, and the difference between he and Matthews is I think everyone there knows where it's going to be. Like, here, I just don't know how it's going to go. And so far, I know they've, they've talked this week in Nashville, but I just, I don't know. I don't get the feeling they got this thing cooked up, ready to roll it out on you know, July 1st and be like, okay, now he's signed. And if he isn't signed, uh-oh. Yeah, it invites a world of possibilities through trade. And for a player of his caliber, suitors are going to line up. Yeah, and, and then but it gets a complicated deal. Like, you know, call up Kevin Dayoff and ask what it's like when you're, you know, because basically to make a good trade there, you're going to have to know where Nylander's willing to resign, mm-hmm. kind of what the number is, because mm-hmm. that all needs to be communicated and worked out. Anyway, it's, it could be high drama in Toronto. And on the flip side of this, you know, maybe we're talking our first show after free agency, and they 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 got to the number and everything went well. But I do think it hangs in the balance, and it has to, in my eyes, that has to be sorted out for the least before basically anything else. I mean, they got to go make some draft picks this week. Obviously, they're still talking to some of their lower-profile UFAs, you know, guys that are in bottom six forwards and stuff like that. Like they're, they're still going to, they still have other business to do, but that Nylander piece is huge. Cause if, if he's not coming back, I mean, now you, you can do things with the cap space, the trade, all, all that sort of thing is, is interesting. So, you know, Brad, I think did say, I should make the point that is Mediaville. We, was it, we can, and we will. Oh no, no, that was, oh. no, we expect oh. to sign these two players to contracts unless I, I expect we're going to sign both of them to contracts until some, some of those people would say that's too soon, brother. No, nah. come on, this is I, entertainment. I'm, I'm cool with that. This is the entertainment care. business. I don't care. That's funny. This is the entertainment business, and one thing that Brad's going to learn too in in this job, I think he already has, is yes. like little like random lines from a 17 minute Mediaville. The fan base will remember them for ten years, and that's what we can and we will was for Dubas. I mean, I get that that's a very de- declarative statement, and. and it, 
you know. Are you, have you also caught up on the Ross Colton to uh, Colorado trade? That happened as you were talking about uh, William Nylander, by the way. Oh, boy. This is very interesting because CJ is deep in the phone and writing a text back. He has not looked up yet. Uh, but, yes, as uh, the, the – play-by-play of me texting. This is very enthralling. But, yes, as the discussion on William Nylander unfolded, uh, our boy Frege, uh says hearing Ross Colton will be traded from Tampa Bay to Colorado. I know it's not a live stream when we do these recordings, but it is really fun to still kind of mention these trades when they happen in the course of a, over of a recording. Just, you know, so that way you can hear – you could probably guess at what point in the day we're doing the show. Right. And I should make the last point on Elander before we move along is yeah. that the Leafs naturally, and, and remember, there's a negotiation. The Leafs naturally want to try to keep him in the 8 million range. Absolutely. Right? Like that. And I think that's reasonable for them as a starting point. I guess the question is can they bridge the gap? Because if you're Elander's cap, who knows? Maybe you're starting at 10. You know, because just as you know, I don't blame him for asking. You bid low, you bid high, and you try to find the middle. Did they find the middle? Is there compromise? Or does all the past history, maybe some distrust potentially between some of the actors, like does that get in there? Is is Steve Dangle going to be stressed out for the next week or so? I don't know. I don't know what he feels about Nylander. So I don't, like, I don't know if maybe. Hey, hey. Well, he is good. Hey, hey, Steve, do you want to to come over here and speak into the mic and let (laughs) us know how you feel and not just speak off uh, mic? No. Uh, Yes, I completely understand that. Um, The only other thing we really have, uh, we do have Ask CJ. So we have some questions. Uh, I do want to ask, because a lot of people made a big deal about this. I'm just curious for your opinion here uh, about uh, the NHL Awards from a couple of days ago. Mm. Uh, The ballots, obviously, uh, released from uh, everybody. One idea I had that uh, I wasn't sure if you were down for it was if you just compare ballots. But uh, I figured the day was just going to be a little hectic. Um, Connor McDavid got a fifth place vote for the Hart Trophy. We know it's uh, Seth Rohrabaugh uh, from Pittsburgh. who Tribune uh, Yavu. Yes, of course. Uh, what do you make of how all of that has gone down in terms of the vote and, and, and how people are talking about Seth? Okay, I have to put my cards on the table. Absolutely. I'm part of the executive of the Professional Hockey Writers Association. Yes. We administer the voting. Yes. Um, so I have maybe some bias, I guess, built into that. I actually don't think it's that big a deal. And I'm not saying that because to be contrarian or anything. I almost think it should be celebrated in a weird way that that there's some different views. Now, I get that. Look, at you could see my ballot. I, you could I, see mine. You know, I didn't have uh, Connor McDavid fifth. He was first on my ballot. Yeah, he was but, first on mine too. I feel like sometimes, like in the social media world, it's like there's this idea that everyone has to only have one opinion. It feels that way. Like it's like there, on certain issues, depends it's like, on a few things. This is right and this is wrong. And look at I don't I don't obviously agree with Seth in the sense that I put him one on my ballot. He put him five. I saw him this week and I told him I disagree. Right, but like I don't know that it's the worst thing in the world if if some people like I don't think he was doing it for attention. I guess that's I know him, so maybe I'm a little biased there too. But like, I don't think he was doing it to make a headline. No. Like, I don't think he was trolling everybody. I think he really believes that. So we have 180 voters. Does it really matter? Like, it, like I know this, it just feels like in the moment, like I saw all sorts of people just combing the ballots, like looking for, and look, I'm not going to defend everyone else's picks. You can see mine. 
we live in a world now too. Like when I first started voting on these awards, it was all done privately. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, Seth has to own this. And he gets a chance to explain it. I haven't. I haven't looked at a social media feed. I can't imagine. Unless he hasn't gone out of his way to try to explain it. And I, I asked him personally, like, "Are you going to do that? Are you going to write an article explaining?" He, he said straight up, like, "I don't feel I have to do that." Well, at because, least not to the social media. Because here's the thing: let's say he writes that article, people are going to say you're only doing this to get clicks. Like you're only doing this to like capitalize on. He, this. People are still going to be angry at him anyway. I get that. Right. I guess I just I think the voting isn't done anonymously. No. So everyone can go and judge everyone's individual picks. You can come at me and say, CJ, you're an asshole. You didn't have my guy for Selkie. Or, why, Julian, why did you vote Adam Fox over Eric Carlson? You did that? I did. I respect that you can have a different opinion than me. Yeah. So I guess I just don't – I think it's like a lot made of something that doesn't actually really matter. I always come back to this. Did we get the awards wrong? Like, Connor McDavid walked out there with four major trophies. He just had one of the best seasons individually. Maybe the best individual season in my, like, since I was a kid. Like, when I wasn't covering the league, when it was, like, Gretzky and Lemieux just tormenting everybody. Um, so, I, I feel like at the end of the day, that season got properly recognized. So, I, I guess I just, it's, I was having the same thing on Con Smythe's voting. I was just saying, for me, there's not always one right answer. The thing with, with this situation, it's one thing if... It was a little bit more split, and there was more of a debate. Like like Adam Fox versus Eric Carlson. I understand that Eric Carlson, regardless of how people feel about that whole debate with the Norris Trophy, he was clearly the favorite, and it's not a surprise that he won. But I think there was a little bit more of a debate to be had about whether or not he truly had a season that was worthy of being recognized as the best all-around defender. Because you can look at the fact that like his points were as, hu- as up as they were, but the plus minus was not great. If you want, if you believe in that statistic, just as an example, there's a genuine debate that could be had there. I think one big reason why everyone lost their minds over Seth's voting is that, like, Connor McDavid had a brilliant season, like for the ages. And I think if it was at a right. point, and if people, but here's the thing, right? Player a judge to be the most valuable to his team, right? But and like, I haven't talked to Seth, but my guess is his argument is like Drysaddle and yes, like I, my guess is he it's voted that. David Pasternak first. Yeah, because how many more points it passed to have than the next? And that's a legitimate argument to have. But and I think if other people looked at that the same way, I don't think we make as big of a deal. If the voting was, I don't, I don't know how exactly to to put together the proper vote totals for that. But if David Pasternak had like even like forty or fifty points out of first place voting, this isn't as big of a deal. Maybe I don't know. I think it's the fact that like Connor McDavid was like one vote off of being a unanimous winner of the Hart Trophy, right? But and we have to single out this one person. In twenty years, when you go to the Hockey Hall of Fame, it's still going to say twenty twenty two, twenty three. Connor McDavid won, and, th- and that's my point. Like we're, we are making a big deal out of this, but like I think it's only happening because it's just it's very easy to single out one person. I'm guilty of it because I did say like, hey, like who gave him the fifth place vote? Oh, everybody! My phone blew up, dude. It was insane, but like. I don't know. I think for people, I'm with you. I think the pack, the people who are like, man, like you're a joke. Like, well, if we're getting it wrong as a collective group, then that's fair. Yeah. I just think that there's room for like weird out, like somebody just has a take that's kind of like, ah, but it's not reflected in the majority, right? We just had a Toronto mayor election. There's like a hundred people and a dog running, like actually. A dog? There's like a dog running, and literally there was over a hundred. Anyway, the point is, as I bet the people that that I call neighbors in my city might have voted for some like people that I think are wackos to be the mayor. Or the dog. Right. 
and it's, this isn't even a comment on who got elected to Toronto mayor, but my point is we take the consensus of the most people and that person becomes the mayor. Like we took the consensus of the people that covered the National Hockey League closest this year and we rightly got Connor McDavid on that stage and we got Eric Carlson on that stage and Maddie Beniers on that stage and Patrice Bergeron. And, and like, I, th- I think it's hard to argue again. Well, you might've preferred Adam Fox. I don't think you can say that was a wrong decision by the group. Right. And so I'm just willing to say that there can be outlier votes and I'll live with them. But again, I wear a PHWA hat and I just think Seth has a right to his opinion. Yeah. And I love that it's not in private anymore. Seth might not. I haven't asked him. <laughs> But right now, Seth might be wishing we didn't do that. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't get the sense that he cares all that much. Which I will. I. I told him like, you know what? The fact that you know, like, because we were at. But we do you think out. it's weird that he's put into witness protection? <laughs> all right. We should move on. <laughs> I'm sorry. We should move on. That was cold. We should. Move that was on. cold. No, Seth knows. I've spent time with Seth. No, no, no. Seth, like, I, I met Seth for the first time this week. He seems like a cool dude. I'm just trying to have fun with it because I think I know, I know, day, I know. It's just sports. But just, just sports off, are fun. But remember? Just, but just off of hanging out with him, I think he would find that joke funny because oh, I don't yeah. think because he doesn't actually care about all of the hoopla going around. He doesn't actually care about it's that. It's because he's a grown ass man. He doesn't care. He probably has pretty good perspective that like this isn't. He believes that. That's his belief. Whatever. That's his belief. There we go. Let's get to ask CJ. I don't know if I have much in me, man. What do you mean you don't know if you have much in you? I'm only now finding my voice. I didn't get a second coffee here. Oh, no. Do you want mine? No. <laughs> Steve? Uh, no, no, no. I'm not, that was... Because Steve looks like he might do it. He might get you that second coffee. I'm going to get it when we're done. But... Okay. okay, let's. is there any fun ones? Yes. Uh, from Taylor Choma. Anyone uh, who listens, by the way, yes. I really appreciate if you just ask random ass shit. I try to. Sometimes find- I get bored about talking about hockey. Like I don't know if yeah. that's bad to admit, but like sometimes it's like, see, like for me, like you talk. We try to get you to talk as much hockey as we can during the main show, unless it's like a topic that I know we we haven't really touched upon. Like it's a bit redundant for me to put in. Like, hey, what are the uh, Leafs gonna do? Right. Like, okay, you already talked about that. Like, you can't right. do that. Well, anyone that's still listening right now, like you're over an hour in, you're probably like you're you're with us. Absolutely. Um, 100%ers. 100%ers. Shout out to y'all. Cape uh, Town 2272 for both CJ and Julian. I was, what, I don't know what the answer is here, but I was just thought, I was just intrigued at what you'd say. I am wondering if you ever used AI to assist you in writing your articles as well as your thoughts on AI in the media industry. I have not. I'm very, I have not either. I'm very intrigued by it though. Well, here's one thing I'll say at CP, they had, I guess it's kind of AI, but like you could take like box scores from like QM like junior hockey games and put it through this kind of essentially a box score generator and right. then like you they churned out a story and then you had to like edit it. That's as far as it's gone for me. Yeah. And so I should say this. I I'm hopeful for AI that I think I think ho- hopefully AI will like rid us of the tasks that are more menial and less pleasurable and give us more time to focus on other things. And so having done this job for so long, I can tell you the most menial thing you can do is go write an actual game story. Yes. And so like to me, AI in the way you're talking about, like there's a lot of possibility there that it will free, you know, people that do our job in the future up from ever really having to write a game story. Cause if there's any demand for that AI can cover it. And what the human can do is maybe tell a more fleshed out tale, a more personal tale or whatever. And so I'm not worried about it. I do recognize it's going to take our jobs probably, but I mean, this is, this is, 
Well, I don't not even would. Think of how we got here, though, like in humanity. Like how many people have seen like the technologies and the jobs that they that you know, proven redundant as things evolved and changed over time. Like why would we be exempt from that? You know, I, I just think that this is how things evolve and change and change or die, man. Uh, noted Skynet employee, Chris Johnston, everybody. I'm well, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Like think about it. Like someone's whole job was to like make a rotary phone and they were in that industry. Right. And then like all of a sudden – like the only place you find one of those is an antique shops. Probably the, half our listeners are like, what is he even talking about? What imagine, is a rotary phone? Imagine the people who were into HDD. You remember HD DVD? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was like a thing for like two months. Well, somebody used to work at Kodak, one of the biggest companies in the world. <laughs> they sure. actually invented the camera that, the, you know, the digital camera, but their company didn't evolve and it just was like wiped out. And now the only Kodak we know is Kodak Black. We know Kodak Black. We definitely do. Let's not go there. Uh, <laughs> Taylor Choma asks, uh, they have two questions for us. Uh, one, are you upset that Taylor Swift bypassed Canada on the Eras Tour? I mean, at least she called me ahead of time to let me know. So I feel like that kind of, that softened the, the news a little bit. Uh, oh, that softened the news a little bit. Oh, man. But I, I yeah, I probably would have went, seriously. I would have attempted to go. If there was a show down the street, yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not so hardcore that I'm going down to Pittsburgh with Dom to go to go to the show. <laughs> Shout out Dom one time. But but like, and I'm not. I'm just saying, like my my level of interest is somewhere between I would go, but I'm not sure. I'm like flying to another city to go. Is there a person you would do that for? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Sorry, is there a musical act you would do that for? I'm sure there's family members and yeah, yeah, people lots. in your life you would do that too. There's an there's a band that you probably. I've never heard of called the national. I've love, heard of the national. I love the national and I've seen them play in other cities before. Again, I'm not like flying around the earth, you know, going to seven shows on their tour, but like if it, if it could line up with a city I would like to go to, I would, I would do that with them. They're actually coming to Toronto in August. I'm going. Okay. Um, you know, the tragically hit back in the day, I was yeah. really into them. Um, obviously not possible now with Gord Downey's death. Uh, you know, but you know this. <laughs> I'm not like that crazy. I know. But like seriously, I'm like if you go to my Spotify, I, I either have put on like a Taylor Swift mix, or I often go to the national. Like the, you can go to the national radio, so it plays a lot of bands like them. Yeah. I, I like that. Um, but I'm not like you know I'm not a super fan of anything. What's really. your favorite song from the national? Oh, that's impossible to say. How is that impossible to say? I like I only know like the, a small the national did of a songs. collab with Taylor Swift. That make that tracks, which is like I actually really like that song. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 like, I don't. I, I'm not kidding. I don't. I have like one Conversation from. 16 by the National. That's a good song. It is. Uh, their whole if if you just listen to their discography, there's there's it's hard to find a bad song in my view. But and if you ever see them perform live, where I really first so I like that band. My buddy Kyle Duncan, who I grew up with forever ago in Colbert. Kyle Duncan. And, and he's, well, he's still a good buddy of mine. He lives out in Fernie, BC now. But um, he told me about them, I think, when their album Boxer came out, which I, I, it's a long time ago, 2007 or eight. And then I went to Lollapalooza in Chicago. I want to say it was like 2010 or nine. And they were playing. And it was on the Saturday afternoon. It was a million degrees. And it was one of the coolest shows I ever saw. Like the lead singer, he ran around like he was in the crowd. Oh my god! And That's like cool I, I remember, there was like strangers giving me like their vodka, and like we were like, it just is like just such a cool day. And like he 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 had I love 
I love a performer with presence on the stage. Like I love when you go to a show and they like maybe tell a story or like engage in that way. And I've I've found the national to be like that. And so they just hooked me in and, and they've put out lots of good music since and yeah. I know there was a second part to this, but I'm really glad that we went on that tangent. Are you? Yeah. Uh, I feel like only my dad is still listening at this point. Someone uh that we both know very well, uh the other day I had a conversation with them. They said that their favorite part about listening to the CJ show is when you actually have to sound like a human being and talk about stuff that has nothing to do with your job. Oh, well, that's good. Thank you. You could make a guess as to who said that. I have no clue, but. Uh, The second question they were trying to ask, I'll be going to Nashville in August after the draft weekend. I'd love to get your guys' recommendation for the best drinking and hot chicken spots. Well, Julian only knows Tootsie's. (laughs) <laughs> and so, and I know the stage and Tootsie's And August when you come here You can see the little statue of Julian They've erected at Tootsie's Because they're going to be like This guy kept the, the bar in business uh, We got kicked out uh, I think on the Monday well, yeah. No not like not like, Oh okay not, like, no, no. We're still recording <laughs> <laughs> No 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 It wasn't like you know like Oh we did something bad It's just we were there for till like closing Like oh, the whole group of us And like People were just like, all right, you're, you're, I hate to say this, but you're, get, you're getting a draft rep, man. I'm not getting a rep. You are. Your rep is like, I you, didn't do nothing. Draft week, you sleep like combined like six hours. That's not too far off from what I've had. Like, I bet tomorrow when I go for my morning jog, you'll be like walking over from the bar. You'll be like, hey, see? No, that's not what I do. I'm not <laughs> reckless. Like, there are other people around. I'm not like closing the bar by myself. Okay, I know. I'm just trying to enjoy myself. And you should. I'm just. I'm, I know you're teasing. I have to give it to you. I a know you're bit. teasing. I'm, do you really think I'll get. Do you know what's great? Do you get a draft rep? There's a, there's a lot of people that knew me 10 years ago in this business that would be like pretty rich coming from you. Yeah, for like, you. For you. I, I know some stuff. Um, Congo Red, for topics with large consensus, like Calgary being up in flames, or the axing of, of warm-up jerseys, is there anything that you do to make sure everyone doesn't write the same article? Is there a short straw to draw when you get forced into the Max Kellerman opinion? That's a very interesting last sentence to end with, considering that's the same guy who said, with the Death Star pointed at him, he'd pick Andre Gudala to hit the game-winning shot. <laughs> it's a very interesting line. Well, I think you, you want to be thought provoking in our job, though. Like, sure. I mean, low hanging fruit is kind of boring by its nature. Yes. Uh, but I, I don't have to. I'm lucky. I, I don't have to write on every story anymore, so I can be more selective in general about what I choose to focus on. But yeah, you also have to call it like it is. Like, if you think the flames are going up in flames, you got to write that they're going up in flames. Like, yeah. I mean, like I, I don't know. I'm not sure. You also can't make it up. No. Anyway, I don't know how to answer that. But you, I, I, definitely in our job, you want to be first, you want to be best, or you want to be different. CJ's rules. Damn, that's, that's pretty good. You want to be first, you want to be best, you want to be different. Do you know how many times I've been sitting in an arena, like a workroom at like 1120 at night, underslept because I'd been with Julian at Tootsie's the night before. <laughs> and I'm sitting there agonizing over, agonizing over this story I got to write. And, oh, and I'm man. like, okay, I'm not first because, you know, you're not breaking news at 1120 night too often. No. I'm probably not the best because I'm not the most talented writer in the, in the press corps. So, like, how can you be different? What angle can you pull out? Like, what can you see? And I, I think – I can't remember who first told me that. Like, that's not an original thought by me that someone told me that a long time ago. So I don't know how to give proper credit. But I, I do think it can – it, there, there's something in that. <laughs> Why do you keep picking at me at Tootsie's, man? I don't know. I, <laughs> if I, I'll, you know, it's a great I, bar, by the way. We're giving them a lot of free, a lot of free press. 
Yeah, I mean TSN. We were we lived up there for two hours Jeez, yesterday. And like right. every hit, you know, Ryan Rashog's the host. He's like, up here at Tootsie's. Like, at Tootsie's. <laughs> oh man. Do you know what the, the best night I ever had at Tootsie's was? Tell me. What year is the Stanley Cup final here? 2016? 2016. 17? Oh, yeah, it actually was 2017 because I was in Syracuse when it happened. So it was Pittsburgh, Nashville. So 2017. That was the PK year. Yeah, and the series started in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So games one and two were there. And then the day between games three, we came here. And Ryan Johansson, unfortunately, had suffered a broken leg mm-hmm. in that playoffs the previous round. And he was on the rooftop with a, like a cast on his leg and crutches. Like just having a beer, like I don't. He wasn't being wild or anything. Yeah. Like, but like having a beer, mix it up with like reporters. Sidney Crosby's parents were there. Wow. It was. I guess you know what? It's probably the same hodgepodge. If yeah. I if I actually went down there now, it's yeah. Just, it's just like a random smattering of the hockey world. All just like all these reporters, all this random like, assistant coaches there, drinking this, Bud Light on a rooftop, listening to honky tonk. This GM is like talking. This president of hockey operations is sitting by this bar by himself. But I remember thinking Ryan Johansson at that time. Like, he was a big reason why they got to the cup final. 100%. He was a beast in that playoffs. 100%. It's like, how many cities would, like, the top-line center on the team in the cup final have to go up all those stairs? Because there's a lot of stairs up to the rooftop on crutches. And he's just sitting there, like, in the middle of the cup final, like, having a beer because he can't play. Just, like, hanging out with the reporters. I mean, that says something about Ryan Johansson. He's a very laid-back, easygoing dude. But also, it's Nashville, too. That wouldn't happen in a lot of other cities. They, no. You know, a little, little more buttoned down elsewhere. Um, we're near the end of our show. Uh, do you have a stick tap for this week? I'm going to stick tap you, buddy. Oh, what? Because I, I gave you a lot of grief on this episode. Oh, man. I, I had a few other I, things you could do I want, stick taps for. No, it's okay. I want you out here living your best life. Oh, I want God. everyone to know. I want to state it on the record. You should have fun. Uh, thank you. I, that means a lot. Um, the only other thing I, I guess I would like to say uh, we should actually give a stick tap to uh, a 100%er who's in the hockey community uh, who is actually having chemotherapy after being diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, uh, Sudarshan uh, Maharaj, uh, who works with the Anaheim Ducks. We should Sudzi. actually Sudzi. We should actually give him a stick tap because he he's a 100%er. I know that for a fact. I love that. I didn't know that, Sudzi. I'm glad you're listening. Like he like he he sees me and like whatever he's been in like Calgary and whatever. And he's like, hey man, like you guys are. Good with the pod. But even if you didn't listen to the pod, man, we're with you. The hockey community is with you. And I hope you're feeling the love. I mean, it's it must be weird when the Ducks, you know, they release that information. It's very personal and private. But I can only imagine when his phone must have just blown up. Absolutely. Because, uh, you know, I've, I've been there too. I remember my mom got sick. Like, I couldn't believe the number of people, random corners of the hockey world that reach out. And so, anyway, Sudsy, keep your mind fresh. Keep this fight up and uh, hope to see you down the road here soon. Absolutely. And with that, that's going to do it for today's in-person edition of the CJ Show. (laughs) A lot of chaotic energy throughout, so we really appreciate everyone who stayed in, including the Calgary Flames fans who probably fast-forwarded to that middle segment where we talked about Lil Elias Lindholm. But uh, seriously, uh, always a pleasure doing these shows with you, man. Yeah, been great. Uh, tune in uh, next week when uh, when we get another episode in. Uh, I don't know how many more we have to do before uh, the end of the free agency period, but uh, well, this isn't like to... school. It's not like you have three assignments left, Julian. I mean, <laughs> I kind of take it like that because I know that sometimes it must feel this. It does kind of feel that way. Well, let's just keep going. Well, let's let the news take us where it will go. That's absolutely true. You you do have a good insight on some of those things. We need we need producer Nick too. Yeah, we need. I, at, at Tootsie's yesterday, I told producer Nick how much he. Wait, I he's mean, there too. Yes, oh, yes, man. he was there. That's why I was looking for you. <laughs>
Anyway, uh, all that to say. Mix in a water, bud. Uh, yes, mix in a water, people. And uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.